decent day here in New York I guess it's hovering around 50 it's that kind of like in between weather post winter pre-spring it's kind of like meh take it or leave it wear a jacket it's too hot take it off you're freezing still it's kind of a meh loop you know loop cold I wouldn't even call it lukewarm it's still loop cold not a big fan but regardless Today, uh, this is a topic I actually did for the first episode, but because I did a show intro too, I kind of scrapped it and decided to redo it. Uh, Today, I guess the context that I want to set up is this idea of market innovation, and it was inspired by this book I read fairly recently. Um, It's a really well-known business strategy book. It's called Blue Ocean Strategy by... uh, W. Chan Kim and Renee Mauburn, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, And it's this book that basically talks on a high level about how to create market innovation. What's market innovation? What's market innovation? So market innovation is basically the idea of like thinking strategically and creatively to create a new market space to make your competition irrelevant. And the case study, they use a bunch of case studies, but the main one that they use is uh, Cirque du Soleil and how they took the pieces of the circus that were unnecessary, people didn't really care about, um, cost too much, like star performers and animals, and got rid of them and then elevated the artistry of the circus by having customized music and even better aerial stunts and created more like a modern dance show um, from an aesthetic standpoint and combine that with some of the nostalgic elements of the circus like the tent and the clowns etc but when I was reading the book what I thought about more is uh, products that don't really fit their definition of market innovation because of how culture can play a part in whether or not it's successful or not Um, and it made me think of one thing in particular, which is the TR-808. What's the TR-808? The TR-808 is a drum machine, but now it is probably the most influential instrument in the past 30 to 40 years. Um, pretty much all the big hit songs you hear this, these days use the 808 uh, sound bank in some capacity. The sounds have evolved over the past three three decades or so four decades now maybe um but the sounds all stem from the original 808 drum machine right uh i checked the billboard hot 100 i think seven of the top 10 songs use the 808 in some capacity and that spans pop hip-hop r&b even country music there's country songs with a little like hip-hop angle to them that use 808 sound so its impact right now is monumental but what's interesting about the 808 was it was a huge failure um, when it was released by Roland. Roland's the company that made the 808 drum machine. Um, they halted production after three years because there's no real product market fit at the time. They made it as a demo uh, 
or a drum machine to make demos with basically but it was pretty expensive uh, to make and to manufacture so it halted production after three years it's the most influential instrument since the electric guitar and it was only on the market for three years um, so it's crazy to think like if if Les Paul invented the electric guitar and then like after three years it just stopped producing them that's basically what happened with the 808 but to give you a more in-depth idea instead of me just being a historian and talking about the history of the 808 I think it'd probably be better if I if I played the trailer of this movie that came out a couple years ago a documentary about the 808 and its impact I don't really know who produced it to be honest it, the official trailers um, on both Atlantic Records and Beats One Radio which is BBC's YouTube channels so I don't know actually who owns it but Anyway, I'll, uh, I'll play a trailer to give you guys a better background on the 808 drum machine. One second. Dance music in the early part of the 80s was really changing. The new musical movements, they come with new instruments. Your music gotta sound hard and aggressive. That machine just has a magic button on it. It redefined music. Take the club, house, your Miami bass, your Leo, your Valley funk, even faster with the drum and bass. Planet Rock Soul just did something else too. We have never heard anything like that before. That bass has so much punch and so much force. Force the bass on Planet Rock. Do, 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 do. There doesn't have to be a tune. They can just be noise. do a little old school rap thing at the end as a tribute to it but basically the point is it's a big fucking deal um some of the people that were interviewed in that trailer were like Questlove, Rick Rubin, Pharrell uh so yeah it's a big time big time product it had it has documentaries being made after it these days I mean its influence is pretty much unquestioned these days but when I was reading this book Blue Ocean Strategy and by the way, Blue Oceans is the metaphor they used to describe new market, whereas Red Oceans is like you fighting in a bloodbath with your competitors. Um, that's kind of what they use to draw their conclusions throughout the entire book. But anyway, you know, it made me think about the 808 because I knew it was a failure before. And, uh, you know, at the time, it's pretty clear to see why. Um, Disco just ended in the 80s, so everyone's used to disco as their main form of dance music. 
at least in the mainstream. I mean, there was underground hip hop just starting to bubble up other than some breakthrough hits like, like you know, Sugar Hill Gang and stuff like that. Um, but overall, it was mostly like post-disco era. And disco beats, you know, they use, they use analog drums. They use real drummer. And that's what people are used to. So when I talk, when I talk about market innovation, it's like sometimes you're just the two ahead of the curve and you're before your time and, and the market just has to adapt to your product uh, if it's good enough. And sometimes there's early indicators like that Planet Rock song they were playing. Like that was a huge hit in the 80s. That was a breakthrough. They used the 808. Even Marvin Gaye's Sexual Healing used the 808. Like the 808 was around. It just wasn't adopted as the go-to instrument for drums like like uh like it is now because people caught up to it people were used to it you know in the 90s you had the whole miami bass movement you had like two live crew oh, me so honey you know like all that shit used just 808s um and then outcast and all the southern hip-hop that came out in the later part of the 90s well outcast has been around since the early 90s but southern rap really started to take over in the late 90s with like master p and all those dudes and they all used 808s cash money 808s and then 808s just became culturally adapted as something that is palatable to the mainstream um blue ocean strategy talks a lot about tech innovation for the sake of tech innovation and probably at the time you could look at 808s as tech innovation for the sake of that uh just tech um they use this case study of the motorola iridium phone that came out think in the 90s basically it was the first satellite based cell phone so you can make a call anywhere but what they argue is that there was no real market fit for it because no one really gives a shit about making phone calls in the middle of the ocean or in a desert you know people want to make phone calls in office buildings and that phone didn't work in office buildings but it made me think more so of like that weird in-between phase between when we had the shitty clamshell phones and smartphones I remember uh, LG had, I think it was LG, had this ESPN phone that was black and red and let you stream ESPN on this little, like, two-inch screen with probably a really crappy connection because I think 3G was the best available at the time. It was awful. Tanked. No one used it. Even though it was a breakthrough, you can watch SportsCenter on your phone. No one gave a shit because it wasn't good enough. And uh, I think that is different than the 808. The 808 was good enough because on the underground, the 808s were really popular. And hip hop, you know, I remember watching a video with Africa Bombada talking about how they would go to their shows at small arenas and just play 808 drum machines live, just play beats and it would go off and people would be dancing to it. And that's like an early indicator that there's something to this thing. Um, it might have taken the mainstream a lot longer to adapt to it, but, like, obviously there's something there. And even in that interview I played earlier, you had Questlove talking about, like, the kick drum was deeper than anything you ever heard. And a lot of people talk about the snare just being, like, sharper and crispier than a, a traditional uh, analog snare drum. So there's something there. I just, it makes me wonder, like, all these tech companies I hear, you know, I want to change, I want to make products to change the world. It's like, it's just like a stereotype at this point. But I'm like, what do you mean by change the world? What if you make a product that changes the world, but is a monetary failure? Like, that's a question that I have for every tech company. Maybe not for utility-based products, because like Gmail or something like that's pretty one-to-one. -one. Like, if it's utility-based, a lot of people are going to use it, it's going to be successful. 
but like for creative tools and non just strict like utility based tools like it gets a little muddy because you can change the world with a failed product so I, I just it makes me think of what the definition of success really is when it comes to product releases because I think there's usually like four different buckets right there's straight up successes like Facebook or something I mean maybe not so much right now with all their data breaches but Facebook then you got straight up failures all the Facebook copycats that never made it then you have what I was talking about before which is tech innovation for the sake of tech innovation something that has some value on one level but no real like user value and no product market fit the Iridium phone there's also that other I guess tech breakthrough category which is like kind of a baby step towards the direction but not quite the full vision like the ESPN phone I was talking about earlier maybe um, there's a ton of gaming systems that fall in this category maybe like a Sega Saturn something like that um, and then there's the last category which is the 808 you know something that is adopted by the masses later because it's too ahead of its time and a lot of that has to do with just culture you know people seeing stuff on the underground bubble up using it and slowly 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 building up this this uh sense of comfort with it you know people back in the day when they're listening to disco if you played some of the 808 equivalents like an 808 crash and 808 snare like listen to this something like that no one would get it. No one would get it. If you played the cowbell in an 808 over that Blue Oyster Cult sound, it would sound like this. Right? You got analog, you got digital, and they're clashing together. It's weird. People don't get it. There's an art to blending digital and analog sounds that no one knew at that time because digital sounds that were at a professional level were still foreign and brand new and no one really knew what to do with them. So to me, it's just interesting to see this kind of play out and look now on the billboard charts and see like the influence of the 808. So I just, I guess the main theme of this talk is like, what is success? I don't know at the end of the day what success means. Cause like, take the 808 drum machine and then you take some application designed in Silicon Valley that maybe made, you know, 20, 30, 40 million dollars in revenue at the time, but, it, you know, eventually got pushed aside by something a little bit better. Like, which one would you rather have started? Would you rather be Roland or that other company? I'd rather be Roland, you know, Roland is like worship now for creating this thing. And they made some other big drum machines too, like the 909. And so Roland's pretty good from a legacy standpoint. Like they created some super influential products that I would argue are way more successful long-term than what most, forget tech, any company ever puts out. But it's just funny to me that their biggest product of all time is from a market standpoint a failure they tried putting out a 
new version of the 808 that also combines, I believe, with the 909, but it, it's not the same thing. There's something like magical about that original machine. I mean, I, I heard stories where the engineers came up with some of the sounds, which explains why they're kind of so out there, um, by just weird, happy accidents. Like one engineer spilled water on a transistor and that created the crash symbol in an 808 and it took them months to recreate it. So little things like that, I think is what makes the original machine special. And now when you look at songs today with a modern 808, sounds totally different. It sounds something like this. Right? It sounds different from the trailer I played earlier, and that's because, you know, 30 years of young producers manipulating the sounds, you know, it, it just evolves. And I think part of the reason why it's so widespread today is because, you know, people just been evolving those sounds for years by making sample packs and tweaking them in their own uh, audio workstations and studios and things like that. So it's just interesting the factor that culture can play on certain types of products that are generally fueled on creativity more than utility. Um, it's just something that's been rattling around my head for a while. I just figured I'd get it out there. Something to think about if you're into like product management or anything like that. Um, I'm tired. I gotta eat dinner, man. I haven't had anything today but a salad. I'm also hot. I turned the heat on in my apartment for some reason, which is kind of rude considering it's about 50 degrees outside right now. Um, so I am going to sign off. But anyway, um, thanks for checking this out. I'm gonna keep pumping out these episodes and take it from here. Um, I think this is just something that's gonna be ingrained in my routine from now on and I'm just gonna keep putting these things out and seeing what happens. Thanks for checking Not Rocket Science, guys. Yeah.